chance on doing a service of this caliber on a Labor Day weekend that you're going to have people that are going to be gone. They're going to be out of town. We had so many people say, Pastor, we want to be there. We're going to be there. We're going to be a part of it. I want to say from the bottom of my heart, everybody listening, I want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you to all of our Dream Team members who have served so diligently. There was a lot of work went into that. Come on, let's thank them today. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. I want, to, I want to bring to you what I'm going to call a special word to relate to where we are right now. For the past two Sundays, we've been talking about celebrating the win. The first Sunday, we talked about what constitutes a win. In other words, anybody watch a football game yesterday? <laughs> the ones that said, amen, that's the teams that won. The ones that just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the ones like me that didn't. My wife got, you know, our, we, do, we don't watch anything live anymore. It's all recorded. And so we're like into the fourth quarter, two minutes and 30 seconds to go, and her game's already on being recorded because she don't like to watch the commercials. And I said, baby, you want to just go on and, and watch your game? She said, you don't want to see what's going to happen? I said, it's 40 to 14. <laughs> I, I know what's going to happen. <laughs> got it figured out. <laughs> Born at night, but not last night. <laughs> so we've been talking about what's, what it is. What is it to celebrate the win? We were able to share with you several things over the course of two weeks that God has blessed us with. How He's blessed Refuge Church. How He has blessed us. Not just a building, but a group of people. And because of that, I realized that we've got a lot to be thankful for. And that blessings don't always come in monetary means. Blessings come in a lot of different ways, but I want to share with you and say to you this morning, in the middle of our blessing, I don't want to miss blessing others. Because there's a lot of work to do. With as many people as we can see that give their hearts to Jesus Christ, with the growth of the church, with the growth of ministries that are connected to the church, with the growth of everything that we do in missions work and everything else, we know that there's so much more to do. There's so much more to do. And it's moments like this. It's moments like these that we realize that just minutes away, there are hurting people that still need to hear about Jesus Christ. Amen. You know what? I believe that RC, Refuge Church, has been given much. The Lord has blessed us. We are at the brink of of totally being able to be debt free from that building. We paid 45% of that building off uh, this year. Totally paid that off. We're almost completely debt free. Can I tell you? That's wonderful. Our giving is up over 35% from what it was last year. Listen to me. God has blessed us. But in the middle of what we want to celebrate as wins, we must never forget that it's not over. We're not done. And there is a lot more that needs to happen because there's a lot of people that need to be saved and give their hearts to Jesus Christ. So in the middle of our celebration and a huge shift as presenting Tegan and Cindy this morning as we did, and I want you to see today, and we talked about that in the second week and the first week, that the vision of the church has been carried for the past 17 years, 17, almost 18 and a half years, by two people, predominantly myself and, and Pastor Bethany. But now... 
I'm watching as people are, gas, uh, are grasping a hold of the same vision we have and they're saying, you know what? I want to be a part of this. I want to know. I know what my purpose is. God has shown me. I understand that. So I'm stepping up to fulfill that. And so I want to take you to a very short passage of Scripture chapter, uh, in the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 40 and 41. I'm going to read two verses to you. And I promise you I'm going to keep this brief. I'm not going to apologize of how simple it is because I don't believe that you need to apologize for anything that you feel like the Lord's given you. And you sure don't need to apologize for His Word. There's a man in Mark. So if you've got your Bibles, turn in your Bibles. If you don't have your Bibles, look on your iPad. If you don't have your iPad, look at your phone. If you don't have your phone, look up on the screen. We got it for you. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 and 41. A man with leprosy, I want you to notice that. It says, a man with leprosy came. There's something very important that I need you to get right here off the bat. This man is so important in the scripture, so important to the people that are around him, that a Bible says a man with leprosy. It doesn't say a man named Tony. It doesn't say a man named Tim. It doesn't say a per. it just says a man with leprosy. It never tells his name came and he knelt in front of Jesus and the Bible says he is begging him to be healed. Look at, look at this. I want you to notice this. He said, if you are willing, you can heal me. Look at this and make me clean, he said. That's the leprous man. Verse 41, look at what Jesus did. The next thing that it says is that Jesus was moved with compassion. He reached out and touched him and said, I am willing, he said, be healed. Father, help us for the next few moments to lean in, hear your word. Father, I ask you right now that you would help us to hear, heed, understand, and leave with something more than what we came with. Thank you, Father, for the winds that we've had throughout 2018. Help us, Lord, to see and understand there's much more to be accomplished. And Father, we'll thank you for that. We'll honor you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 As I shared with you as we began to start the service is that this man... He is, he's got leprosy. He's not called by name. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he's really been, he's being identified by his problem. He's being called out by his problem. When someone mentions his, uh, him, he talks about his problem. He's been marked. And I, I just felt like in my own heart, as simple as this is, that there are people that are probably here today that have lived your life and you have heard throughout your life what you are, and people have marked you by that and actually called you that. They called you burned out. Come on, somebody. No good. They called you names. And I, I just want to come by and say this to you, that even though the people looked at that man and said, this man with leprosy and the Bible never calls his name, that Jesus knows your name and that you're important to him, and you are not what you have done. I'm going to say it again. Look up here. You are not what you have done. Jesus calls calls you more than that. And we've got a lot of people who've come with that and they feel like they're marked. This man having this leprous disease, which was a skin disease, meant that he had to walk about 30 yards away from everybody else. So as close to as far as I am from those doors, he couldn't get near his family or his friends. The next bad part about this disease is that it was so contagious during that time that he would literally have to cry out and say, hey, I'm not clean, I'm not clean, which didn't mean, doesn't mean that he had dirty hands. It meant that what I have, you can catch it. 
And it's so bad that whenever you catch it, parts of your limbs can fall off. Are you with me? So he would, he would announce, I'm unclean. And, and this man does something that I want to share. This is going to be very simple. You're going to walk away and say, Pastor Tony was really simple today. He just was real simple, real simple. The Bible says that he broke and ran to Jesus. He did something that he was not supposed to do. He actually took upon himself the idea that he would run to Jesus and kneel down or drop down on his knees and beg Jesus to heal him. But look, he's not even supposed to be within 30 yards of a clean person. He took upon himself the idea that he would do that and thought in his mind, probably even thought in his mind, I could be killed for this, but I'm going to go drop down on my knees and he says, I know you can heal me, Jesus. Look at this. I want you to notice this. But are you willing? Look at the scriptures. Read them for yourself. I I believe that there are people that are looking at this church They're looking at this church in this community, Brother David, that has sat on this spot since 1987. And they know, they have heard, they have heard it through the grapevine. They know that we can. They know that we have the ability. But they're asking, we know that you can, but do you really care? I want to say it again. We know that you can, but do you really care enough? And today... I want you to know that the community knows that we're able to be generous, but are we willing to be generous as well? Is it something that we can do or will do? And then next, the Bible says in verse 41, look at this, that Jesus was moved with compassion. And that word move there with compassion, the word there in this scripture Basically, it's, it's three words, moved with compassion, but the Greek scholars actually took one word for the move with compassion that I can't pronounce. I, 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 have, I have enough time trying to pronounce just the king's English. And so the Greek word, I won't even try it. it it's like that long. But move with compassion, those three words are actually one translation. And so they tried the best to translate it into the English so that we understood it. So here's the thing. Move with compassion. The best really that the Greek could really come up with was that Jesus had become so emotional about this leopard's condition that he took it upon himself. To He was moved. He, you know what he was saying? He was saying Jesus was bothered by this. I want to ask you something today. When was the last time that you walked past somebody on a street that you knew were gonna, was going to ask you for money that smelled like an outhouse? Come on, somebody. And you really didn't want to be around them. Well, when was the last time that you walked past them that it bothered you in your spirit, that it stirred you to the very core, that you got emotional, that it messed with your stuff? Come on, somebody. That it messed with your stuff. And I'm preaching this for a reason because I'm going to tell you, we can get so caught up on what we're doing and the wind that we have that we forget there's a lot yet to be done. And so Jesus, the Greek translation is basically, he's so moved, he's so bothered by this man having leprosy that he does some things. And church, as much as we're going to celebrate today, I want you to have caught the vision of serving others so much so that it bothers you in the fact until you realize that God called you, everybody look in here, look in here, that God called you, every one of you, to reach out. 
It isn't just this pastor. It isn't just this pastor. It isn't just the deacons or the leaders. It is that God has called you, every young adult, every child, every adult, God has called you to reach out. But you've got to become bothered about where you are to realize that there are people that are lost, dying, and hurting, that the world is calling them everything else, and you look at them like Jesus does, and you see them as a person. They stink, Pastor. They don't dress good. They don't look good. They don't look like church people. You know what? We didn't come here for people who were looking for a cruise ship. We came here because there are people that need a trauma center. And we have become a trauma center on the corner of Indiana and Lee Road. And I'm grateful for that. We need to get our hands dirty. We need to do what God has called us to do. And we got to step up. I'm going to try to keep it simple. Trying to teach, not preach. But the preach is always there. Pastor, we say that the hope of the world is the local church. We're the hands and the feet of the gospel of Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going away. But when I go away, I'm going to give you power. You're going to be endued with power. Why? Because you're going to have to do the work that I've done. That's why you're here. That's why Jesus hasn't returned. There's a lot of work that has to be done. But can I tell you something? We say that we are the hope. We are the plan A to the world through Christ in us. But listen to this. Vicksburg per capita per capita has the highest murder rate of anywhere in Mississippi. Has one of the highest drug use rates per capita of anywhere in the state of Mississippi. But we, the church, you, me, we're the hope of the world. We're the hope of our city. Listen to this. I, I want you to see something here. I need, you to, I need you to get this down deep inside of you. That we're going to have to be more and we're going to have to realize that we're not just here. You say, Pastor, why are you doing all this? Why, why did you do like this family? Is it to get bigger? Is it to get better? No, it's so much more beyond that than maybe some of you realize right at this moment. You may not be getting all of it. Why did you spend that money to get those t-shirts? Why did you spend that money to get that stuff and give it away? Why is that? Why did you do all of that? Why are you going through all of that? I want you to understand that I take seriously that there is a literal hell. Come on somebody. I take it so seriously and I don't want people to go there so much so that it has bothered me emotionally deep to the core. Well, what does, what does having t-shirts and getting this other and setting forth a student pastor doing all of these other things, what does that have to do with any of that stuff? Well, here's what I want to tell you. There's going to take some, it's going to take us reaching people. The t-shirts, the armband, all the things that we give away were more about us blessing you. Get this, that we're generous to you so you understand that because you've been given to and been generous and much has been given to you, that much has been required of you as well. Come on. I've been asking my leaders for some time, how can I bless the people of RC? And today, that's why you cannot buy one thing we have. Because when we got t-shirts and we spent some money on those t-shirts, you can't buy it. You cannot buy one of the shirts that we have. We're giving them to you. I know, you guys, people don't get that. They don't understand it. Why are you doing that? Well, for one thing, you've already paid for them. Some of you got that. Some of you will get it tonight. 
You, you already gave in the offerings last week and, last, and you paid for them. So we're just saying to you, we want to say thank you. And here's how we're saying thank you to you and we want you to be blessed. I, I'm going to give you a short story. Years ago, that person's not here so it doesn't matter. I'm going to tell the story. Every year at Christmas, <clears throat> I would try to do something special for the deacons that serve because they serve they just they they give. They're not on. They're not staff and receiving money. But they come from meetings. They give up time with their family. They help. You've seen what people are doing. You've watched Tegan today. You've watched others. Nathan, everyone, these guys, Pastor Ted. You watch what they do. So we would give them. Uh, we would buy them a supper somewhere around Christmas. And so one year. I said to Bethany, I said, you know what? I just I think we ought to do something for everybody, all the praise, to, all the praise and worship team, all the people that are in leadership. If they're doing student ministries, if they're doing something, we let's just invite them to come. And I had a person who said, who was in leadership, who's not on my deacon board, said, I don't understand why he did that. Why in the world would he spend that money to give meals to those people? That was, their, that was their attitude. Now, let me just tell you something real quick. I didn't fall off a turnip truck yesterday. And I'm not as young as I once was. And there's a lot that I've learned. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Number one, there was a man in the church who donated the money to pay for and said, bless the leadership of the church. Praise God. Okay, so, so that was done. Secondly, if he had not of, get this, for about less than $200, I got 30 people employed for the whole year that helped me out, and that's what it cost the church. I bet you there's some of you in business here wished you could figure out how to do that. Are you with me? So we were able to take those 30 people, spend less than $200 or $250 on them, and we were able to employ them for a whole year. That's what it cost you. Some of you will get the math later. You know what I've decided? I figured now that it's 2019, what I want to do with our generosity is figure out how we can do more with less. For years and years, the pastor's been at the top of the food chain in a church, and we've tried to flip that paradigm upside down where you see more leadership that are here on a volunteer basis, opening doors, greeting people, helping around the altars, taking water here, running a golf cart, because we believe that the more that we have that are doing that, the faster the church will grow. I'm going to tell you, we want to do more with less. Why, pastor? Why? Because we want to plant a church, another church one day. Yes, we want to plant churches. If we want to go to heaven and take as many people as we can with us, do we figure we're going to get them all here? We're going to have to go places. We're going to have to open it up. This is vision. We want to give more to missions. We want to go downtown and help those that are on the streets. I want to celebrate today, but after the celebration is over with, I want you to be so bothered that we have more to do that you're staying on point and on mission. So simply three things. That's what I'm going to give you. This is it. And you're going to say, this is simple. Choices lead. I'll help you with that. Choices lead, feelings follow. 
I watch people get their feelings on their shoulders. Let me tell you, if you get your feelings on your shoulders, you wear them on your sleeves, you're going to get them knocked off. So you're just setting your own self up. And I wish I could help you with that, but all I can tell you is that we need to learn that choices lead and feelings follow. What do you mean? Well, in order normally to experience something, you first have to uh, normally experience that, and then your feelings follow. Somebody posted something on Facebook, and I couldn't watch all of it, but it was some kind of deal where they're on this ride, and it's like tipping down. Did anybody else see that? It's kind of a weird looking. Was it you, Am? And look, I couldn't watch it all. Because the truth of it is, I really did not want to experience that. I mean, I've watched them where, you know, the boyfriend has got the girl up on this beam on a high rise and he's holding around. Crazy. I don't want to experience that. But there are certain things in my life that I have that we say and we use the phrase, hey, you had to be there. You start telling somebody about it and you tell them, hey, you just really had to be there to get the full effect of that. You had to be there. If you were at the football game yesterday and your team won, you, just, you could tell everybody all the plays to plays, all the highlights, but you're finally going to say, man, you just had to be there. It was so good. Come on, somebody. But hear me. This is worth it. Successful people don't wait on their feelings to change and then make a change. Most people want feelings first. You want to feel like, I want to have the feeling to pray. I want to have the feeling to read my Bible and then do it. Hold on, I'm going somewhere. No. Sometimes you need to go and do it and then you have the feelings. I mentioned last week, to some of you, and I even had, we had an inbox or a call or something about it, and I was talking about youth going town town and feeding and handing out water, and it was basically, it was, it was given as an illustration in the message about, hey, would you want to do that? And my friend said, yes, I want to do that. I would do that. And then we had another parent that said something about, hey, my kids want to do that. You know why? Because they're not having to feel the, the effects of somebody that doesn't have much They first need to go, experience it, see it, and I'm going to tell you when they're done, they're going to have a good feeling. Are you with me? Hang on. We're going somewhere. I told you it's going to be very simply three things. There are people that are waiting. I I watch people in a worship service, and they're waiting on a feeling in order for them to worship and act like the wild person on the same row as them. Have you ever thought about that the wild person sitting on the road with you, first of all, may have not had the feeling, but first raised their hands and then had the feeling? Because there's been many times that I've come to church and I didn't feel like raising my hands. To be honest with you as a pastor, just being totally honest with you, there are times that I've got up and asked my wife, baby, do we have to go today? Y'all can be religious all you want to, but you know you thought it in your mind if you didn't say it. I heard one guy say one time, he was talking to his wife, or he was talking and he was whining and he was carrying on and this kind of that and the other. And then finally the, the guy said, uh, the wife looked back and said, baby, you got to go. You're the pastor. 
There are times that we don't have the feelings. Sometimes we just don't feel like going. We don't, it just ain't in us. We don't feel like. But I'm going to tell you, I can tell you about more times when I didn't have the feel good to go to church that I went to church. And when I got there, I, I said, Lord, I'm going to lift my hands up. I'm going to worship you anyhow. I'm going to praise you anyhow because I didn't come here for Wayne. I didn't come here for Big Robert. I didn't come here for Brother David. I came here because Jesus Christ loved me so much that he died, gave it. So I'm just going to lift my hands up and I'm going to worship him and before the service is over with whoo the feeling started to follow like, man that felt good I'm ready to come we having church tonight sometimes the feelings have to follow you first listen to this have got to go you've got to go you've got to put forth and you're going to see that happen don't just wait so here's a life principle this is it Lead your life with your choices, not your feelings. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 and 36. Then Jesus, and there's some words, and I should have had them really underline them, and I didn't, so if you write in your Bible and you don't mind underlining them, there's three words in here I'd like for you to see. First of all, then Jesus went, this is word number one, about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Next verse. But when he, next word, saw, he went, he saw, the multitude, he was moved with compassion. He went, he saw, listen to this, and he was moved. Three words. He went, he saw, he was moved. Do you know what? Every kid, every, I'm not gonna say, every young person, every person in this house needs to go on a mission trip. You need to go because you may not want to go on one. And the first one that I went on in 1997, I wasn't so sure that I wanted to go on that mission trip, but I took a missions trip with a guy. It wasn't a vacation to a place in Jamaica that was very, very, uh, it was a bad area of Jamaica and we went in I'd never been out of the country I had never I was 27 years old and never flown on a plane spent 24 hours getting from Pascagoula Mississippi to to Jamaica where we spent 24 hours it wasn't plane problems it was it was that a tornado or a hurricane had come into Mobile and it stopped a lot of things and we had to drive to Orlando catch a plane I mean we but it was a challenge to go are you with me but because I went On that bus that they put me on, it was an old bus, no air in it, I saw kids and men and women digging through the trash. And I'd ask, hey, are they like, are they quality control? You know what quality control is? When I worked in the grocery store back in the late mid-80s, mid-80s, uh, we had quality control, and you would go out and they would send you with the produce department with these 55-gallon drums of uh, produce that you'd work through, which w- wasn't good, and you'd go out and you'd slide open the dumpster door and you'd go to pump it in and some guy say, Hey, I'm in here! That was quality control. He was in there making sure you didn't throw away anything good. They would be digging in the trash and trash heaps, and I'll be honest with you, the things that they throw away in Jamaica, you wouldn't feed to your dog. And so I went and I saw that. The Sunday they took me to the place where they'd had over 1,200 people under a tent meeting, as many as they could put in the tent, all outside of it, to preach on a Sunday morning where they took and dumped concrete on a place they called a church and a pad, and it wasn't. If you'd saw it, you just had to be there. That morning there were about 250 people in that place at least. 
no air conditioning, hot at two blue blazes, sound equipment that looked like they drug from a dumpster, a, a, a set of drums that none, none of the pieces matched. But I'm going to tell you, they treated me like the king had just shown up. And I'm going to tell you, they worshiped like Jesus had just walked through the door. And I'm going to tell you, the presence of God was there and the power of God came into that place. And we saw people for the first time walk down, give their hearts to Jesus Christ. And I'd say, I got a Quit preaching here. And somebody would say, preach! You know why? They were hungry. You know why? They didn't have two thin dimes to rub together. But they knew that the Jesus that could find them, they had heard that this Jesus was real. And they knew that He could do miracles. They had heard that. So about an hour into the service, I, I got to quit here. I got to quit. Pouring sweat. Back in those days, I still wore a suit coat. I'd been shucked out of the suit coat. Looked like somebody put a rope around my waist, chunked me in a pool, and pulled me back out. And I said, I gotta quit preaching. Preach! Preach a man. And listen. The word of God would go out and it would not return void. And when you would give an altar call, people would flock. You didn't have to beg them. So I went, I saw, look at this, and I was moved. On the way out of that city, they put me on a bus. And as, as I drove back out, I wept bitterly and said, Jesus, I didn't know why I was coming, but I have been moved emotionally with compassion that it bothers me that I'm leaving this place. Shh, Pastor Ted, it'll do something to you. You know what it does? It messes your stuff up. Because I knew that my three little old babies that were stair steps down in Moss Point had a clean place to sleep and they had food on their table and a warm bed to get into. But there were babies running around without a stitch of clothing on, playing around abandoned houses and I was moved to the core with compassion. Hear me, you don't always have to have the feeling. Sometimes you've just got to go and then see and the Lord will move you with compassion. Amen. Alright. Quickly, look at this. You've got to choose to lead your feelings. There's a lot that I need to share with you, but I'm going I'm to move on down to number two. Look at this. The second thing you've got to do is you've got to see people the way that Jesus sees them. You know, when they get saved and get cleaned up, that's the way Jesus sees them. No, it's not. Jesus sees you just like you are. Pastor, can you prove that? As a matter of fact, I can. The Bible says, and yet while we were, and yet while we were still sinners, that Jesus Christ died for you. So before you got yourself cleaned up, before you got yourself all made up, before you got yourself here to church and thought you had to do that to get here, I come by to tell you that Jesus loved you just like you were. The good thing about Jesus is He refuses to leave you the way that you are. He messes with your stuff. The problem is, is that the church, the body of Christ, has to begin to see others the way that Jesus sees them. Are you with me? If, if you judge people by what they're putting on on the outside, but you really don't know what's going on on the inside, you're going to miss some good people. You're going to miss that person who really had, had, a, had a potential. Because I've always said and often said that hurting people hurt people. In other words, when they start hurting, they'll start hurting other people. 
They'll start blaming and pushing the blame and saying it was their fault and it was their fault and a lot of it is their fault. They're where they are because they did what they did. But I've run up on kids who've had their backs beaten by parents, literally by their parents, that what was going on on the outside was a reflection of what had happened on, or, or what was going on on the inside was a reflection of what had happened to them on the outside. Hurting people often hurt other people. And we've got to start seeing the world through the eyes of Jesus, not always what we see on the outside. Y'all remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Quickly, we just got just a few minutes. Y'all remember that? I'm a, I can't go through the whole thing. If you're, if, if you need to go and read this. The Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan. The Samaritan's the guy on... Uh, the, there's a guy who comes by a guy who's been robbed and beaten and he's sitting on the side of the road and he's in real bad disarray. And the moral of the story of the Good Samaritan was that there are three views that were taken. First of all, we know that the first group that came by were robbers. Everybody say robbers. And they were takers. And what I found in this world is there's a lot of takers and few givers. But you know what I believe? That God wants to redeem people that are takers and make them givers. So the first group that came by was the takers or the robbers. The second group that came by were the priests and the Levites. These were the religious people. These were the people who were leading in the church. Surely they'll do something for this man. Surely they'll help this man who's broken down. He's hurt. He's beaten and all of these different things. You know what the priest did? You know what? Listen to this. I want everybody looking here. Listen to me. The priest, the religious, what is, which happens in the church is that they, the priest saw them as a problem to avoid. Where a lot of us are. Mm. And of course the good Samaritan, number three, was the third person involved, saw the person as a person who was in need of love and help. Now Jesus would say this, what is mine is yours and what we have we're going to give. Come on somebody. Jesus said, uh, go do the same thing. In other words, look at this. This is the way I can put it to you. We are responsible for, our, for others. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. First of all, love God. We get that. Most of us, yeah, we're going to love God, going to love God. We're going to go to church. We're going to check off the checklist because that's what we do. But Jesus said, don't just love, uh, don't just go to church and love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. But a lot of us, listen to this, listen. A lot of us see our neighbor as a problem to avoid. I'm going to tell you that God has put the mandate of others on us. And while we are becoming a church that's carrying the vision to serve others is because I see that, that it bothers me so deep in my core that we've got to reach others. Now, I'm going to tell you something real quickly, everybody listening. I know that in this city, there's chatter about Refuge Church. I know that. And I know that not everything that is said is always good. I, I know that. But I'm going to tell you something that I do know. Whenever somebody needs help, they may not agree with us. They may not even like me. When they need help, you know what? They'll come to us because they know we're generous. Let's say it again. There's chatter, there's talk. It's always going on. It's okay. Sometimes the chatter, the talk's not good. And they may say, you know what? I don't agree with those people over there at corner of Indiana and Lee Road. But I'll tell you what, they'll help you when you need help. 
And I can prove that over and over again, and I don't have to, but we have. When we came here, and I'm, this is just, I'm saying this and trying not to get too deep personal, where we had a tragedy in our church, and the church stepped up and raised $10,000 in spaghetti dinners and gave it away. So, so why is it? What, what, what are you doing, Pastor? Well, number one, choices have got to lead. We've got to see others the way that Jesus sees them. You've got to look at your mother-in-law like Jesus looks at them. Yeah, I went there. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> see others the way Jesus sees Finally this, and I'm closing, guys. Never forget what Jesus did for you. Never forget what he did for you. Why is Refuge Church so generous to others? Because you've been so generous to give into RC to give to others. Why, Why do we keep reaching out to the lost? Because Jesus never stopped searching for me. And if you want to be honest about it, this is it. It's personal. I was that person laying beaten and bruised on the side of the road spiritually that needed somebody to come by. And I had been stripped because Satan had took everything that I had down to the point of my life. And there were religious people who walked by and picked their nose up and said, you know what, that little boy from Bulls Gap, he didn't come from much. He didn't come from good stock and he sure didn't come from the right side of the tracks. And who in the world's ever heard of anything good coming out of Bulls Gap? But in 1979, Jesus walked past me and said, Son, what can I do for you? I said, I don't even know what I need, but I need something. Jesus said, I'll give you all that I have. I said, Lord, if you could help me, I'll help others. I'll give my life. And since 1979, I've literally worked full-time jobs while pastoring churches full-time without the full-time pay. Worked as student pastors, cleaned bathrooms, mowed the grass, been the nursery keeper, been the youth pastor. Done everything that I knew to do to make sure that somehow or another the love of Jesus was shed throughout this cities and throughout the cities that God has placed me in. One last thing thing. Jesus never stopped looking for me. I want you to stand with me if you would as we're closing. You remember the story in the Bible? There's a known prostitute that walks into the presence of Jesus and it's actually a Bible study. It's like a house to house group Bible study. You know they're studying the Bible and Jesus is there. This prostitute walks in and she's, the Bible teaches us that she is a known prostitute. In other words everybody knew who she was. And she walks in, and the Bible says that she's weeping. And if you read the Bible, you're going to realize that all the religious people are mumbling under their breath. Where is she here? I don't know why. Jesus let her come in here. I don't know why she'd come to this Bible study. House to house. We don't let everybody in here. Can I tell you something? Never let it said, be said that Refuge Church ever turned our nose up to anyone, especially the least of the least. 
comes in, she's sobbing. Her tears are falling on the feet of Jesus. She takes her hair and begins to wash or dry his Uh, dry his feet she not only does that she opens a bottle or breaks a bottle of perfume pours it on him and the crowd that is studying looks up and in their hearts are saying this listen listen, what's up with this what's up with this what's this woman doing and Jesus said her sins that are many are forgiven and the person who sins is forgiven, look at this, it, uh, little loves little. Now hold on just a minute. And I, I took that and I broke it apart because here's the thing. Jesus basically said this woman's sins are huge. And because she has come with her attitude, the way that she has, her sins are forgiven greatly. But look at this, even the person whose sins are little are still forgiven. Can I tell you something? That isn't you and that isn't me. Because no matter how good you think you are and no matter how good I think I am, my sins are a lot. And yours are too. None of us have been forgiven just a little bit. We were all supposed to end up in hell. But a man named Jesus stepped up, took the execution upon his own life. Why do I do what I do? Because he saved me first. Because He loved me first. Why do we ask Dream Team people to serve? Why do we ask you to step up? Because it is the response to Jesus. Why, why are you greeting at a door? Why do you get here at 8, 30, 9 o'clock? Why, why do you do all of those things? Because it's in response to what Jesus has already done for you. Ephesians 3, just paraphrasing, it's not going to be on the screen. It says this, how wide, how deep is the love of God for you? Wider than you could ever believe, deeper than you could ever dream. Let's pray. Father, never let us in our celebration forget the people that are within our reach. Lord, help help us to see the hurting 